Midway USA brand product designers have one straightforward goal. Develop high-quality, technically sound products and deliver them to customers at reasonable prices. If you are immersed in the shooting sports industry and pay close attention to every single detail, you know our products are built right and stand up to everyday use. Who has shooting mats and range bag systems to hunting clothing and just about everything for the outdoors? Log on and shop 24-7 with super-fast shipping. MidwayUSA.com Boat Trader, America's largest boating marketplace, offering easy financing and over 100,000 boat listings to choose from. Sell, find, and finance new or used boats on America's largest boating marketplace. Visit BoatTrader.com to get started. So there's a reason why I started Blood Origins. And that reason is simple. Is that I wanted to convey the truth about hunting. It brings awareness to, to non-hunters that it's, it's more than just killing animals. How do I start it? Brittany. My name. My name. Is, Does my hair look okay? It's fantastic. My name is Mike Axelrod. Start again. Yeah, I hated it too. Braxton, you said something in the car to me. You said that you were living on borrowed time. Mm. There's a perception around who hunters are, what we're supposed to be, and a, a feminist that works for a nonprofit that is a hunter that has only eaten wild game for the last 20 years is likely not the thing that people think about when it comes to a hunter. All right, welcome to the roundup of Blood Origins. Is that how we're going to start it? I don't know <laughs> why it's got to be twangy like that all of a sudden. Isn't that what like the, um, the news hosts do? Like, welcome to this week's news articles. Yeah, that's what they all do. Just, just like that, Robbie. That's exactly how they do it. With that know? accent? I think it's the uh, Blood Origins Roundup. That's Not the roundup of blood origins. <laughs> I'm already, I've like, been criticized all day today uh, because of my accent on our proof video that we pushed out for the New Zealand folks. Did you know that the, what I was calling the wee-o, the blue duck, is actually fee-o, fee-o. Right. If I, I had did, a dollar did, for like, every fee-o that I, I got... Exactly. I, I saw some of the feedback on that, and uh, I did not. I would have said it exactly like you said it, <laughs> just with a very boring American Midwestern twang. Is it, just, is it universally agreed upon worldwide that Americans in the Midwest are like the no-accent people? No, I think every single American has an accent. I think that the I think that us as Midwesterners are are boring. Like what whatever. Like we just, doesn't sound. There's no uh, excitement to it. We have like the vanilla accent, as compared to Southeast and Boston, and as compared to anywhere else in the entire world. <laughs> Everyone else in the world is more interesting when they talk. More interesting of a sound when they talk than those of us that were raised in the Midwestern part of the United States. I wasn't raised here, so I'll just take you for your spoken truth. Right. Okay. 
So this roundup round is up. going to be uh, something that we want to do every week because literally we get bombarded all the time. Have you seen this post? Have you seen this piece of legislation? What do you think about this? What do you think about that? And we literally do not have enough time in the day and people would get, you know, I think they'd get a little, what's the word I'm looking for? They'd get upset. I guess upset's the right word of us posting because we'd have to post all the time and people would be like, oh, this blood origin stuff. They're just, there's way too much coming at us. But we get a lot of stuff well, thrown our way. Even more so than over posting. To me, it's about not, because both of us um, have to research a thing, right? Like I said this on a podcast before, even if you sent me some, an article with your opinion on it, I would go research it. Um, not in doubting you, just I, we, we very much want to be about the facts. Um, and if we went and researched every topic or like you said, piece of legislation or something that someone sent to us, we'd actually never get anything done because we'd just be researching everything. So we came up with this idea of the weekly roundup, kind of a, our thoughts on some of the headlines in the hunting world um, worldwide in the past week to 10 days-ish. Yep, the good, the bad, and the ugly, essentially. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right, you want to start at the top? We've got a couple to go through. The top seems like a decent place to start. The top was a post that we got tagged in um, by a friend of ours out of India. And obviously, we just released a podcast about the human wildlife conflict in India by our friend uh, Rajiv. And that podcast one blew me away, right? That there's tigers, leopards, lions, the gear lions, wolves, bears in India. And, and, and a light bulb went off because obviously every time someone talks about Africa, they're like, oh, you know, the tigers and the bears in Africa. And I'm like, no, 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 time out, time out. There's no tigers and bears in Africa. But legitimately, there is a place now called India that has tigers, bears, and lions. Right. So yeah. they've got phenomenal human-wildlife conflict issues. And this Nat Geo photograph was of this elephant that had obviously come out of the forest, and the locals shot it. And the article says that it was shot by – the shot didn't really kill the elephant. The bullet had been soaked in acid. The animal eventually died from septic poisoning. Um, it doesn't say this in the article itself. Oh, it did. It took three days for that elephant to die. So it took three days for that elephant to die. And what, what's funny about it is that Nat Geo gets, you know, they get all bent out of shape when it comes to hunters. Yet they're willing to post this and the suffering that that elephant went through is nothing that a hunter wants to see. But these guys don't care because the elephant is, is literally something that is in conflict with what they want to do, taking out their crops, taking out people. Rajiv sends us posts all the time about elephants killing people. So to me, it was almost a hypocritical post by Nat Geo. It's like you're, they're all against hunting, yet they have this elephant that is now you know, being revered and being respected. But the true story is that human-wildlife conflict is so rampant in India that the stories, this, this picture is fake. Okay. So I'm going to, like, I took it completely differently. So let's discuss it. 
I, I'm fully aware of National Geographic's stance on hunting. Um, but this is the second time that I feel like, you remember when Nat Geo did that time lapse um, of, the of the elephant? Yeah. And like, that was a really good piece of media for our message. 100%. For the blood origins message. Because literally a, I don't know what an elephant weighs, several tons, a, a great big animal was reduced to a little tiny mark on the ground because zero of that animal went to waste, right? Um, I also see this post that we're talking about. Um, obviously, it's sad. And anyone that wants something to suffer for three days while it's dying is a horrible person. But I saw the post as another good piece of of media for our message that look human wildlife conflict is is real right it, it's a thing that that has to be dealt with if you're a farmer in india and a 10 ton 10 tons that really 15,000 pounds yeah. is an okay, african so, bush elephant about 8,800 pounds an asian elephant okay four tons a four ton animal is destroying your crops you you have to do something about it right like this isn't uh, live and let live this is these are people that are completely relying not only is their livelihood being destroyed the elephants kill people too it's real it's a real thing um that's how i looked at it i i i know nat geo didn't put the words that way right they didn't they didn't they didn't caption the instagram post that way but that's how I took it. I bookmarked it as, you know, the next time somebody, I love being able to use Nat Geo when I'm in the debate online, right? It's kind of like, you know, if not having to use Fox News, if I'm a conservative, I'd rather get the, I'd rather get CBS News to say my thing that, that my facts, that's the way I took that, Robbie. I mean, it's sad. Um, it's sad for everyone. It's sad for the human beings whose livelihood are being destroyed. Um, it's sad for the elephant that had to suffer for three days instead of being humanely dispatched. But I, I looked at that piece of media and thought, I need to bookmark that because Nat Geo is proving for us that human wildlife conflict is a real thing and that the whole live and let live um, is just an unrealistic expectation, especially in terms of 8,000-pound omnivores. I'll give that one to you. I totally see that now. I think that's a much better way to look at it. I like the idea that you know the human-wildlife conflict is real and needs to be dealt with, and sustainable use, consumptive use, is one tool in your toolbox to be able to mitigate human-wildlife conflict. And that there's a more humane way to mitigate the conflict than an acid-soaked, poorly placed bullet. Or, as we saw a couple of years ago, fire bombs being thrown on elephants, right? There's, there's a, you know, it's, that's, not a, that's not a, we've talked about this before, that's not a why we hunt. Um, but there are benefits to it. You know, we need to start to talk about the consequence of it's almost undeniable 
that if there was legal and scientifically based hunting of elephants in that area, there would be less elephant-human conflict. Correct. Um, and, you know, hunters wouldn't let that in. Even a poorly placed shot by a hunter would be followed by four or five more shots. To not let it suffer for more than a minutes as opposed to three days. That, that's the way I took the, that piece of media. Yep. All right. The next one was something that we got tagged in quite a bit and we responded to was the whole old row outdoors video of a sorority girl sticking a hog for the first time. And it was a video of her sticking the hog. Now, subsequent to that, there has been another video by a guy sticking a hog that was actually a lot more gruesome than that video. And what we posted in that video, our comment was, does this help or hurt hunting? And if we just did a little bit of thinking behind what this is portraying, would we have actually posted it? And a lot of the debate came to us was, well, you don't know how hogs are hunted. No, we do know that that's how hogs are hunted with dogs sticking them with a knife. Is it, they say it's the most, it's probably the most humane way to kill a pig. Mm, debatable, but it is pretty rapid if you're putting a knife into the heart. Our issue with both those videos was it didn't belong on social media. You could have shown the pictures of her behind the hog with the dogs, with the bloody knife, just not sticking the pig in a video on social media on a public page. Yeah, I don't, I mean, I don't think there's any, I don't think there's any rational debate to be had that stuff like this doesn't, doesn't fire up the antis. I mean, I, I don't think that you can rationally argue that. I'm a, you know that politically, um, I take, honestly, freedom of speech is, and, and, and freedoms are more important to me than whether or not it hurts hunting. Like, I don't think there should be a law against this, but I think it's really, really dumb. Um, I completely believe in freedom of speech and freedom of expression, and that was a legal thing to do. Um, it's just, you know, you, you phrase it the best when you say, stop and think, um, am I helping or hurting hunting? I, I had trouble getting that out. When, am I helping or hurting? Um, again, from that point, it's your choice. Do you, do you care that you're helping or hurting hunting? Ob obviously not. I wish you did, but at the same time, you know, I, I, I freedom, fr freedoms give you freedom to do dumb things too. So I, I don't think there should be a law against it, but man, is there a lot of stuff on social media that for the sake of a shock factor, so I can get some likes, um, that, that we hurt, we hurt the cause of, of being people with a passion that have integrity. Yep. A little bit more thought and a little bit more self-censorship. 
will go a long way. Yeah, All right, the next one. Caring. Do, yeah. do you care? I don't think they care. I, I, I think they I haven't gotten to a maturity or a, or a point in life where they understand that uh, freedoms can be taken away and they're contributing to that. All right, let's look through what else do we have. Uh, did you look at this Facebook video of this baboon eating an impala fawn? My favorite part of this whole podcast is just going to be the way you pronounce baboon. <laughs> um, I did. I did. So the comment that was tied to that post is a very, very thought-provoking process argument, right? How many times have you seen videos like this where the photographer, the videographer, the person who's supposed to be against hunting shares videos that are extremely violent, right? In this video, a baboon was eating an impala fawn alive. Its mother was there. Its mother looked distressed. And this guy could not stop videoing it because it was, as they say in the post, gore porn. And so the post, the, the comment was, so this is all right, according to anti-hunters, because it's nature, quote unquote. And this impala fawn was being eaten alive. And the wildlife photographers recorded every second of it. But when a hunter humanely dispatches an animal and takes a photo with it after it's dead, then that's cruelty about animals not wanting to die and how hunters, quote unquote, love gore porn. And it's an interesting argument, right? That because you see it all the time. No, yeah, it really is. I've used the phrase before I said to you before, you know, that the, the antis love every single predator and want to protect them to no end except for human beings. Um, that we are a part of this. Um, and then they want to come back and say, you're not a natural predator because you use guns. Like, I think that, I mean, I guarantee you that lions are more successful than I am as a predator. Like they, 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 they get more meat than I do. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't understand why there's become such a line where humans being involved in that, that circle of life or circle of death, however you want to look at it, um, is so unnatural. It, it doesn't make any sense. I don't, uh, that's a freaky thing, right? I mean, I can remember the first time I ever saw a baboon in the wild. Um, and that's a, that's a scary creature right there, right? Like, that's the one that if you watch the Disney movies and you get a perception of a baboon and then you go see a big male in the wild, Disney got it wrong. They don't look like that. They look like they want to eat you. Um, yeah, they're pretty vicious. And they're strong enough and capable of eating you. Um, and then they run faster than the speed of light. They're, it's a freaky animal. Um, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't get it either. I don't get why we're fascinated with, and I am as well, right? I, I follow a couple of Instagram accounts that are kind of just about the brutality of nature um, and not in some gore porn way, just in a that's real nature, right? Like that really happened, you know, and all these other 
the nature videos of the lion that comes up and gives the guy a hug in the cage that's not nature that's that's not real nature that's not it's not wildlife um i don't know why that's okay and human beings being involved in the process is not i don't i don't understand that concept it's it's actually quite interesting in south africa when you obviously i didn't hunt when i was in south africa i was a you know an eco tourist like everyone else is and when you go to the national park, you go to Kruger National Park and you see the big five, that's a huge deal. It's a big deal. But the cherry on top is seeing a kill. It's like the thing. Like, that's right, what you want yeah. to see. And the antithesis of that is the majority of those individuals, when you say, well, I hunt, and here's a picture of me with my animal, they're like, oh, how gruesome is that, you cold-blooded killer? I'm like... You, you, you can't call me a cold-blooded killer when this, the, the cherry of the success of your ecotourism attraction is watching something die. <laughs> right. Yeah. I don't, I don't understand it either. To me, it's the same kind of conflict as take baboons, right? Like if you, if you, there was a guy in Wyoming, right? There, there was a Wyoming wild official that posted a picture if I missed any of these details, I'm apologizing. Like he got in trouble. I think he had to resign from his job because he posted a picture that he had harv he had killed some baboons in Africa. And that like when I was in Africa, I would equate them to like coyotes. As far as as far as the way that we think of coyotes, which granted. That's not all working out right now either. But I think there is a huge acceptance of hunting coyotes and maintaining the population by a lot of Americans, right? Like you don't take a lot of grief if you go coyote hunting and you have some success. I would equate, again, I'm not speaking for a sole person from Africa. I would equate they think of baboons kind of like we think of coyotes, right? But that double standard, it's the same, it's the same mentality of, I mean, I, I would legitimately be scared to post a picture of a baboon that I shot on Facebook because people would go wacko on me, right? Right. That's right. It's the same standard. This, this thing's okay in my mind, but this thing isn't, so I'll chastise and judge you. I don't understand that. Yeah. All right, let's move down the list. Let's find out what's next. All right. It looks like uh, the Connecticut African big game hunting ban. That seems to have been moved forward. Senate Bill 62. Um, we talked you about it on the... right over HSUS Petitions Colorado. Did you not want to deal with that one? I'm just jumping back and forth to change it up on you. Make sure that, you know, you're not, you're caught off on your, off, off your toes, you know? You ready to talk about, you want to talk about the Humane Society instead of African again? Yeah, let's do that since you brought it up. Okay, mister. What do you think about uh, <laughs> I'm just Humane petitioning order. That's all Colorado Fish and Game to stop live trapping? Thumbs up, thumbs down. I don't, I don't know. I, w I wish, I wish, here's, here's, I got, I wish the Humane Society of the United States used their millions of dollars and thousands of employees to do good for animals because this, they've already eliminated lethal forms of trapping in Colorado. Um, 
and now to eliminate non-lethal forms, which don't get me wrong. I mean, I, I, I can see, it, I don't want anyone to be confused that these are people that are trapping a bobcat and then letting it go, right? It's, it's a method of, of taking a fur bearer is catch them in a live trap and then shoot them. But I don't know how to put it without sounding stupid. What a waste of time for that to be for that to be a priority for HSUS. Even if you are totally against it, it is not making anything better for animals. They found a thing. They found their next death by a thousand cuts thing. That's what they did right there. And when they do it, it won't save, it won't save any animals. It'll just be one more notch on their belt um, and one more thing they can fundraise for. Well, I, as I, I understand know. it, it's the final notch in the trapping belt of Colorado. Everything else is gone. The leg hole traps are gone. The instant kill traps are gone. Snaring is gone. The only thing you can do is those, those big live traps still. Right. So that's yeah. No, that's now on the ticket to go. Correct. This will put a complete and utter end to sportsmen being able to trap in Colorado. What about pest animal control people? Would they still be allowed to use it? Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. Let's put a provision in the law. Um, I, I, I didn't actually read. I didn't actually read the petition. I I can't believe that in you know, arguably. I, I don't know the number, but Colorado was at the a huge, huge part of the trapping traditions and heritage of this country. Um, and the the state wildlife biologists have done a phenomenal job of regulating those things and bringing populations back in sync. Um, and now HSUS knew that in a country that's this big with ranching that they're not they're they're, they're going to have a rough time getting predator control out of the way but they found one more way to complicate things um in that aspect and make it a little bit harder that's what happened all right well we'll wait and see what happens there it may come up on a future roundup so i'm going to move down if you're okay skipping a couple um, you're, you're, you're running this show. I'm going to talk about one that you put onto my radar uh, that I think we're going to have differing opinions on. It is the Massachusetts uh, Game and Fish price hike for their, their license fees for hunting and fishing in the state of Massachusetts. Why don't you take it and I'll rebut you. Well, okay, I'll first of all admit that I did not go deep enough um, to know if the Massachusetts Game and Fish Department is in a budget crisis. Okay, so that's the caveat that I do not know that. I do know, um, I didn't write it down. I do know that they had record numbers of hunting participation, not, not complete all-time break records, but huge amounts of hunting participation. And outdoors participation, fishing as well, things that required licenses that generate them revenue. Um, just like every other state in the country, they saw a huge uptick in those dollars in, in 2020. 
um, uh, one of the small silver linings of COVID-19. My, and I am a firm believer in the North American pay to pay to play model um, of hunting and fishing. I also think you need to pay enough to support it. So that's why I'm giving you the caveat of, I don't know their current budget state. I do know that if their budget was bad, it should have got better in 2020, right? Because mm-hmm. a whole lot more people bought licenses and participated. My biggest problem with it was several of the examples were four and 500% increases in pricing. Um, I'm a firm like believer a that in, in, I mean, yeah, you can say that with your fancy accent. It is a lot. That's a lot. That's a big increase in, in, it doesn't matter. And it doesn't matter if it's from a dollar to $5, it's still a 500% increase um, in these kinds of things. Um, I'm, like I said, totally in favor of the pay to play. I'm totally opposed to making it so expensive um, that people on a budget have to think more and more and more and then finally decide not to do it. 500% increases can do that. Um, again, okay. I, I want to make one more time, I'm going to say out loud, I don't have the data to really stand my ground and yell and scream. I think a all of a sudden across the board, that big of an increase in multiple fees, right? It wasn't just one thing. It was, it was all of their fees they're raising. Right. Um, I think there's a possibility that that's a death by a thousand cuts thing. All right. I'm not going to be as pessimistic as you are because I know that the conundrum that this division of fisheries and wildlife is facing is the conundrum that all divisions and game departments are facing across the country, which is the fact that they have dwindling license sales, which means less money coming into the coffers to do the same amount of work. So with that conundrum with that problem you have to do something a lot of these divisions in game and fish departments haven't raised hunting fishing licenses in a long time i'll give the state of mississippi as an example the state of mississippi i think two years ago chose to raise its license fees i think it was like it was 36 bucks for me for all of my licenses my my resident sportsman's license my license today is 55 dollars instead of 36 in the grand scheme of things, is that a tremendous amount? Is that going to break the budget? Come on, let's, let's be honest. We're hunters. We buy a lot of ammunition. We buy guns. We buy optics. We buy camo. The stuff that we buy is expensive. So the fact that you're paying an extra $20 for your license fee to support the thing that you love in your, in your state, to me, that's not a ludicrous expenditure. Specifically in Massachusetts, they haven't raised their license fees in 25 years. So after 25 years, what do they do? And here's the other thing. And the department gives away free licenses as well. So in this article, they tell, they tell us that 27,000 free licenses are given each year to residents over 70 to essentially keep them in the, in the hunting field. So their license structure went from 20 to 50, the general license to $40. It's an increase of $18. It's not the only example of increases given in the article. No, there's two more. The, the stamps for your primitive, if you want to do primitive weapon, if you want to hunt waterfowl, went from 5 to 20. 
and your hunting permit for antlers deer, bear, and turkey went from five to 20. We're not talking about five to 100 that then makes somebody go, oh, no, I'm not going to, I'm not going to fork that out. I'm of the opinion that that kind of increase, everyone sees the need for. I don't think many hunters are going to go, oh, no, that's way too expensive for me. I'm not going to buy a license anymore. I, I don't disagree with you. I don't. I, I do think that your statement of we're hunters, we buy lots of optics, this, 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 this. Um, that's absolutely true of, of you and I. Um, I know. And really, what's 40 bucks, right? 40 bucks to hunt and fish for the entire year? It's not 400. It's the most value-added thing you can, you can purchase. Yeah, I don't disagree with you. I told you, I, I, I believed in the pay to play. I think there are some people that when you do 400% increases on things, um, there's a lot of people on really tight budgets um, that, that aren't in this. We buy lots of optics and, and gadgets and guns and that I, that I think that could affect. I, I think that a 400% increase is a lot. See, I don't like to work in percentage increases. I just like to look at the, fa the number. It's four bucks. times more expensive for someone to hunt ducks and geese in Massachusetts than it used to be. And if that's a 14-year-old kid whose parents don't have anything to do with it, or if that's someone that truly and honestly is putting meat in their freezer to help a budget, um, I'm not, I, I get it. I said four times, it's also $15 more a year to do that. I get what you're saying. Um, I just, anytime there's a 400% increase in the expense to go hunting, um, to me, it's the exact same thing when all of a sudden there's 55 new regulations. Um, and, and it's very easy to over-regulate. And then I seem like the jerk that thinks there shouldn't be any rules in hunting. Um, I challenge you to get a Colorado, a Pennsylvania, it, order yourself a Pennsylvania hunting and fishing regulation it, that, that it'll come in a semi and it'll take them three days to unload that booklet at your house. Um, and that's, a, that's an attack in my opinion. It's, a, it's, a com it's making it expensive and complicated is going to be the, the way that we lose the ability to hunt as a, as a nation. And I think more so than anywhere in the world, I'm starting to learn more about Australia and I think maybe their system is similar. You don't have to be a rich person to hunt in the United States. Don't get me wrong. You got more money. You probably are going to shoot bigger things and it's going to be a little easier, right? There's no doubt about that. I mean, on a, on a consistent revolving basis. But you don't have to be wealthy. You can be a kid that mows some lawns because um, mom and dad don't, aren't throwing him the money for a hunting license, and you can get things done in the United States. And I, I want it to stay that way. That's my point. I think people are going to get to know Cody's exaggerations through the roundup. Analogies and what exaggerations. What did I exaggerate? I didn't exaggerate a single thing. What? You're such a liar. 
The semi truck that's going to the semi truck that's going to bring the Pennsylvania fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Oh, that's a metaphorical exaggeration, though. That's not really an exaggeration. Oh, sorry, me, I'll, I'll, re, re, I'll roll back what I said. People are going to get to know your <laughs> metaphorical exaggerations then. Right. All I right. Always, I always exaggerate for effect. I don't exaggerate the actual detail. All right. Well, here's an exaggeration for you then. Do you think the Wisconsin hunters went over by 82% of the quota or went over by 8% of the quota? It just depends on how much clickbait you need your headline to be. Because you can, in fact, they went over 8%, solid, plain and simple. They went over 8% the actual kill amount that the state of Wisconsin put out. But that you're not going to change anyone's mind with the way that you're wording that, though, Rob, because they're just going to say, well, but that's just because the Indian, the natives, Americans, didn't take their 80, 81, 80, 81, 81 wolves. Um, so let me ask this question then. Should we take it as a biological quota or a legal quota? I to would my the definition of biological so, quota. So to me, and that's why we, I said it the way I said it, and a lawyer challenged me, post us putting up that video was that he agrees from a biological perspective and I, I posed a question back to him and the question back to him was this what is the point of a quota the point of a quota is a sustainable take of a certain population to either maximize its yield or maintain a sustainable population through time the quota should be the law supporting the biology. Okay. Is what the quota should be. And so if it's a legal quota, then the Wisconsin hunters went over the quota by 82%. Because their legal quota for resident hunters put on general license was 119. Yeah, the legal quota off tribal lands. Was 190, yeah. Right. You said resident hunters. Non-residents could take part. Sorry, general license. I should have said general license. Right. But biologically, if the Indian tribes made the decision not to take any animals, and this also sort of goes over to, if you remember the, the whole Wyoming, I think it was Wyoming, when they put out the grizzly tags, and the non-hunters were going to pay for the grizzly tags so that no grizzlies were going to be taken. Well, again, it sort of defeats the purpose of the quota. And so biologically, the 216 number was an 8% number that uh, went over the 200. So the assumption still is that no, no wolves were killed through the Indian tribes. Like, again, this, it's perplexing to me. It's just another, it, it's another clickbait thing. 
in some of the headlines, you know, wolf massacre goes beyond legal limit. I mean, just good yeah, yeah. Lord, the creativity. I don't understand. Um, first of all, it shouldn't have happened, right? Right. I, I, don't, I don't have it. If the biologist said 200, that's the number, right? Yeah, we're so, both on the same page there. But that's not the, the, the hunters. It's probably really and truly not those 216 hunters, right? Because if they had chosen to ignore the deadline, they probably wouldn't have checked the wolf, right? Like the odds are very, very good that those 216 hunters were people that stopped the second they got the notification that they were supposed to stop, right? Right. Like those are most likely because they took the time to go to a check station, those are most likely people that abided the law. I don't think those 216 people or those 216 people did anything wrong in any way that, that I know of. Um, probably should be a little bit better of a system, you know, like you, instead of shutting it down at 160 and overflowing to 216, you shut it down at 140 and overflow to 196, or however that math works out. Um, or instantaneous but, check-ins with text messages and whatnot. The technology is there for everyone to be connected all at once for check-ins. Well, you can get, you can still absolutely get into wolf habitat in, in Wisconsin where you would need a sat phone or, you know, um, there, there's, there's some complications to that, but it, yeah, it, it needs to be better. There's no doubt, but these are not numbers that I thought you did a great job of tying it back to the, by all accounts, what, what's Wisconsin saying? 1200. Yeah, twelve eighty. No, one 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 hundred one thousand one hundred eighty three. About twelve hundred is, is, is their number. Wisconsin absolutely does a counting system of verification. Um, so there's that's not an estimate. Those are counted wolves, um, in Wisconsin. So it's a hundred percent true. It's not me fudging the data that that's the minimum. That's the minimum number of wolves. Okay. Um, and I guarantee you they didn't, I, th this is me giving my opinion. They didn't find them all. So in the beginning, when the wolves were delisted, you covered this on the talking head. I don't want to pound it too hard, but that one, one, eight, three is 1,083 more wolves than the goal to have in the state of Wisconsin when they were originally delisted, when they were originally listed on the endangered species act across the nation, a hundred wolves was the goal. Well, between Wisconsin and Michigan. Right, right. And that 1183 is just Wisconsin confirmed wolves. There is a overpopulation. I said it a second ago. I stand by it. I think there was mistakes made because quotas are quotas and we shouldn't go over them. That needs to be improved upon. But this is not a thing that demolished the wolf population of the state of Wisconsin. Um, they just need to get a better system for, and even to their credit, holy cow, were they made to rush this whole thing, right? Right. 
right? Like they were forced to Wisconsin legislators five or six years ago passed an actual law that when the wolves are delisted, the Wisconsin Department of National Resources was immediately required to launch a wolf season. Very weird piece of legislation, but that's what happened. Um, so I don't really want to knock them either. I mean, 8% budge isn't a horrible number when you got 10 days to put a statewide wolf draw application and quota system together. I don't, I, I don't excuse it. We can't go over quotas. Um, but at the same time, this is, a, this is another great clickbait headline grabbing thing um, that is, is, is not a huge deal. And I will bet you that Wisconsin is more organized next year and stays within their quota. Oh, and, and the hunt's going to be 100 times harder because the wolves are going to have you know, a little bit of yeah. fear and a bit of a lo- little bit of knowledge, a little bit of understanding and know-how to when they hear the dogs barking, something's happening. All right, let's yeah, do one more. Gonna go run. Let's do one more. I'll let you pick. You can choose between Connecticut, New Mexico, or the SADC countries of Africa. Is the SADC countries of Africa on the list? There was a uh, a video that I that I posted in there. Um, let's do New Mexico. I think I think um, yeah, let's do New Mexico. Me giving you the reasons why I don't want to do Connecticut would just be us doing Connecticut. So let's do New Mexico. <laughs> so, what do you know about SB thirty two in New Mexico? Um, pretend nothing. It's not entirely true, but what do you know about it? So it's a, a public land trapping bill that's moving forward. It uh, moved out of its committee into ju- judiciary, and then the shenanigans started in judiciary. They did not give uh, 24 hours notice, or they just, I think, just barely, like 25 hours notice for it to be brought up uh, in front of judiciary, so the, the the comment period was very 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 tight. Uh, it moved out of judiciary, um, and it moved to the Senate floor today. And unfortunately, this bill, which is banning the trapping on public lands throughout New Mexico, um, passed through the Senate. 2316 today. And so now it moves on to the House. Interestingly enough, a lot of people are against it. Um, you probably, you know, the skinny on the street is backcountry hunters and anglers are for it. No, backcountry hunters and anglers are against it, um, as most people are. Um, it, it's just one of those bills, right, that we know how good trapping is for the environment. We know how ethical trappers are, triple swivels, traps that, you know, do the least amount of damage to animals. Yet, yeah, again, speaking to the same lawyer that called me about wolves, his idea of trapping, because he brought that up in terms of, oh, they trapped wolves, how inhumane. His perception of trapping is this antiquated bear claw trap that breaks legs, 
that maims animals and that is you know those animals sit for days and days and days and are in you know awful amount of pain and i think that's just the rhetoric behind this bill and that's why it's it's continued to move forward i'd like to just be able to ask people why right like the people that wrote it i just want to sit down with them inject them with truth serum right and then ask them why you know what i mean and what i hate about not knowing why i hate assumption like i'm literally on a quest in my life to quit assuming things it's impossible like it's, it's a quest i'll never achieve but i'm i'm way better at it um i don't like hypotheticals i don't like guessing and i don't like making assumptions but if someone, if I don't know why, um, especially when someone's proposing a piece of legislation that I'm against, I suppose it's human nature for me to start assuming why. I, I, I want to know why. Is it really? I mean, you know, we have this discussion with people on on our social media when people come out against hunting and they say it doesn't matter what you're hunting or whatever, and someone comes out, one of the very first things I always get to is, are you a vegan? Right? And if you're, if you're a vegan, because you don't think any animal should ever be harmed, I truly don't, I don't want to argue with you. I think you have, um, I think you have a legitimate opinion, right? I really do. If you don't think any animal should ever be harmed, I don't want to argue with you by humans and you don't eat meat so therefore you aren't harming any animals right and that's why i always want to know the motivation because if someone comes out against us and they're like no i eat beef then i in my mind i got them right i got them because they don't they're not thinking through the whole entire process of everything that's happening they're just thinking through the worst thing that they saw on social media right. or they're thinking through the fact that they saw a baboon on a Disney movie, it's not the same damn thing. That's, they're not thinking through it. And that's why I wish that I had a chance to ask these folks why. Is it because they don't think we should ever kill another bobcat ever? Or is it just they got bored at the Capitol and needed something that they could rally behind and maybe they got some campaign dollars from group I'm, I'm, I, that, that's my thing i want to know why probably the same reason i want to know why somebody traps you know why do you trap because the I, it blows my mind that this is this is that i've been to new mexico and they got other things that their legislators should be spending their time on other than eliminating a valid method of predator control eliminating a valid piece of someone's heritage and culture and things that they do. They got other problems they could be worrying about. Yep. Yep. No, it's a, uh, it's certainly intriguing to understand someone's thought process when it comes to, especially like, as you said, something like trapping in which, how do you think most of the animals got moved around this country? It came from trapping. It came from being able to capture live animals Youth, you know, not euthanize them, anesthetize them, and then move them. And 
you know, coyotes, de- you know, depredate on cattle and they depredate on calves of cattle. The USDA has bukus of evidence to show that. I guess that doesn't mean very much, you know, and I guess, you know, Sportsman's Alliance, Backcountry Hunters and Anglers, uh, the Fur Trappers Association, the Fur Takers of America, obviously all are against this bill, uh, have all created coalitions. Cattlemen's industry is probably against it. So I don't know, man. It's uh, it would certainly be a massive, it'd be a massive blow, if the House votes it out, and it becomes law. It'd be the first major. It'd be the first major cut of the twenty-one legislative sessions from legislators, mind you. Yeah, not, not wildlife biologists. Not uh, this is again. Uh, legislating their own biology, legislating their own wildlife management. Um, yeah, it, uh, we don't have enough time to I talk about, wild, like, we don't have enough time to talk about ballot box biology on this podcast. I know that would be, that would be, that would be an eight part podcast mini series. I just don't understand. I mean, are they against fishing? Are they against the hook in a fish? Um, I, I don't see a, a valid reason why. Um, and so as much as I hate assumptions, my mind goes to um, a death by a thousand cuts. They're very aware that they probably shouldn't it, launch a full frontal attack on hunting right now. Um, somebody recognized that trappers were a smaller group of people um, who were harvesting animals. And so they decided to go after them. That's what I think happened. It's an assumption. It's completely unburdened by data. Well, just let's keep an eye on SB32 in New Mexico. And uh, we'll probably have to report on it next week's round roundup. Well, I think that gets us to the end, my friend. I know there's a couple of other pieces, but we're, we've already bored our audience to death. There's probably one or two people still, still hanging on. Any Maybe last words end. of wisdom? No, I think this is a cool, a cool thing. I hope that, uh, you know, invite people to, uh, in the comments, get involved in the discussions. We try our very best across all platforms to reply to them. And if someone has a perspective, um, I think for the most part, in most things, we're pretty open-minded people that'll listen to a rational discussion. Um, so maybe it'll, maybe it'll prompt some of that with uh, all the topics that we covered. Yeah, so... To that end, send us articles, send us topics, send us posts, ping us on Instagram, ping us on Facebook, Messenger, tweet us, email us, text Cody. No. No. Email info at bloodorigins.com so I can filter those suckers, please. (laughs) So, yeah. um, The other Cody, we have another Cody part of the team, had a great idea that we will explore in the future. Did you know that Google has a audio voicemail feature? I did. I have a Google voice number myself. Yeah, I think we should uh, we should look into that because that would be pretty neat. I hate to um, – you talk about filtering your email. We probably will have to filter that <laughs> if we get into the audio yeah. game. Yeah. Just because you send us something to talk about does not mean – we will actually talk about it, but we will try. All right, brother. We'll sign off. Good one. 
Absolutely. Cheers. Well, that's it for today. I appreciate you listening, as always. Leave a review, share it with your friends, and most importantly, do what's right to convey the truth around hunting. Brave anglers search for the one they call king, but who will take his throne? Tune in to Waypoint TV's Battle for Silver, Saturday, May 18th from 12 to 6 p.m. Eastern. Presented by Abyss Battery, Waypoint TV. On Mondays, head offshore with Captain Scott Walker and Steve Roger for breathtaking deep sea adventures. Coming to me, coming to me, coming to me. Double. He's jumping, he's jumping, he's jumping. Oh! oh. Look at Ooh. that belly. Don't miss Mondays with Into the Blue. Brought to you by Academy Sports and Outdoors from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern. Tell a few fish stories along the way. On Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.